All right, here we are back again. Yes. Oh, that, that ended suddenly. I wasn't expecting that. I was There's trying small. to fade it out. Wow. <laughs> so that they was faded out. Yeah, that that's our our theme song for today from Petra Alter. Yes. Alter ego. Alter ego. Alter A L T A R, uh, not A L T E R. Right. A L T A R. Alter. 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 Ego. Put up on the altar and worship that uh, thing. And and then that's the reason why we did that is because we are going to talk about self esteem and yes. self love and uh, the history of it. And uh, I think it's appropriate that we call it an alter ego. That's right. So. The uh, it's been a while since we've we've been on this thing. By the way, it's, it has uh, been. It's been a good little while. Yeah, a lot, a lot has gone on in in my life. Did I? You have a daughter-in-law now. I have a daughter-in-law now, which yep. you didn't before. I, I didn't before. Yeah, yep. yeah. And, and then you had a death in the family. I had a death in the family. Yeah, yeah we've had a funeral and marriage. One, well, the marriage first, and then the funeral. Uh, yeah. And uh, that was difficult, but the Lord was gracious in that. Yes. Now all you need yeah. is a birth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going to wait a little bit on that, <laughs> but you know, eventually. So it'll be at least nine months. Yeah, at pro- least probably longer. We'll see. <laughs> you know, but it's been it's been ups and downs for sure. But it is, I really enjoy doing these podcasts, and and so I'm I'm glad glad to be back. Yes, and uh, back into the swing of things. So self esteem, we are. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Ever since I went to a conference, Nicholas Ellen did. A, it's Ellis or is it Ellen? Yeah, Nicholas Ellen. Ellen, yeah. yeah. He did a a breakaway. I don't know if they call it that, but you know, a workshop. session, a workshop. That's workshop right. session. And it was on self esteem, and it was it just like it was kind of one of those wow moments, you know, where I'm like, oh, you know, those aha moments, like, oh, I see, like that. The Bible actually has a lot to say about. Self-esteem. I mean, I, I knew that before, but to have it, the of course, in, in a way that Nicholas Allen does uh, describe it with such clarity, I, you know, I found it just inspiring, and I've been wanting to to talk about. It. A few times I've hinted at it from the pulpit, you know, um, but so we'll see how far we get. This may be a two or three part series. Yeah, on, on self-esteem. It's so interesting. I mean, I was just looking at the history of self-esteem here, and the, and the the idea goes all the way back as far as the 1600s, which is interesting. I who would have thought that they would have been talking about self-esteem back in the 1600s? Yeah, and, and, and in particular, it's the term self-esteem. Yes, right, because the idea goes all the way back to the beginning. Yes, that's of, true. Of the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Fall of man, yeah but, I mean, but the term, but the term itself, yes. yeah, 1600s. Like we think it's a modern term, right. let alone a modern concept. Yeah, it's really not. It's I mean, not. You can be like God, knowing good and evil. There's self, self-esteem right there that Satan was appealing to. Yeah. It it really was the, you know, the Enlightenment kind of propelled it, as, as it did many, many terrible ideas. Pretty much any modern idea that is unbiblical can be traced back to the Enlightenment. I mean, it just spawned yes. a, a whole age of man-centeredness. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, back in the 1600s, then it kind of died out for a while in the 1800s. Yeah. And then in the 1960s and 70s, it becomes super popular and up until this day. That's funny because I was thinking about my school. It, I went to a Christian school in the early 70s 
and the teachers, I remember they, somebody came up with this song called I am lovable. I am capable. I am I'm worthy of respect. And we sang that song in school mm. and that's exactly what it was. It, it arose out of the self-esteem movement. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. And that, it was a cute little catchy tune, yeah. you know. <laughs> it talked about just how lovable I am. I'm a create even to say that I'm a creation of God and therefore I'm worthy of respect. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it, you know, it's cute and lovable, but it ends up becoming a me-centered really a god complex until we start singing songs like I, I, I what is that song? I believe I can fly. <laughs> I believe I can touch the sky. <laughs> really? Let's see you do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> There's a bridge it's right like, there. I want you to try. You know, you know yeah, it's, it's absurd. Yes. Uh, and that's where it goes. So, but the, the theories begin to get developed in the, the mid 1900s. And in his book, Self Esteem, Self Image, and Self Love by Nicholas Ellen, he, a great book, highly recommend it. But he, he, points out the five theories that were developed. The ratio of achievement and expectation is theory number one, that a person's opinion of self directly is related to how well he meets his own expectations. And then you have the positive and negative self-regard, theory number two, which is a person to overcome the outrageous demands and judgments from within and thus to function well in society, he must develop a positive view of self. And then we had theory number three, the inferiority complex. A person will experience a sense of inadequacy as a result of not reaching some desired goal. Number four, the impact of human relationships on one's view of self. And this is the explanation for all of a person's conflict with others. It's all about his own view of self. Mm -hmm. And in his relation to others is, is because of a low view of self. And then you have the attachment theory, number five, which is a child must have a close, intimate bond with his mother during childhood to avoid irreversible mental health consequences, which may lead to problems with attaching to others. And that one has gotten a lot of press. I've heard a lot about that. Yeah, uh, me too. The attachment. Yep. Theory is an explanation. Oh, he, he, you know, he didn't bond with his mom. That's his problem. Yes, uh, I've heard that on, on many occasions. He's got mommy issues. Doesn't that kind of... Yeah. It seems like that kind of comes out of Freud, doesn't it? In, in some way. Well, almost everything comes out of Freud in some yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> when but, it comes to psychology. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But but yeah, his whole theory of that everyone secretly wants to, what, kill their, kill their dad, marry their mother, yeah, or something, something like, like some like weird... That. He, he was really weird, but... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it, it sounds Freudian. And so this is the... The foundation of self-esteem, it is a focus on one's self. Without a biblical context. Yeah, there's no, there's no, none of, none of that takes into account what the Bible says. No. No, uh, it's just, it's just man, you know, man talking about what motivates man or what, what is causing man to behave. And, you know, I like what he says. He says the factors for success or failure, are to believe in yourself, follow your heart, trust yourself, listen to your gut. Right. And so that becomes the basis for what produces success in my life. Which, by the way, doesn't Disney promote all those themes? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... Every Disney That's like every movie. Disney movie ever. 
especially yeah. in the last, you know, in the last 30 years, all these Disney movies, that's exactly what they all say. You know, I, I always think of Aladdin and I think of the genie as he comes up on the, he comes up on this carpet to Aladdin and he says, be yourself. You want to win her yeah. over, be yourself, you know, and that's exactly what it is. And every, every Disney movie has that focus. Yeah. Which, by the way, I would say that if you're a parent, you know, th there's some great entertainment value in Disney movies yeah. in and of themselves. But if you're not talking with your kids about yeah. what's in those Disney movies, right? The, the reality of what's there, then you're doing your kids a disservice. Yeah, I, I think I've thought of this as I've raised my own kids. You know, I think a lot of times as parents we want to protect them from bad language as, as Christian mm -hmm. parents and from, you know, con bad content, which you, I, I think that's appropriate. But what we consider clean is often riddled with bad philosophy yes. and, and just terrible theology. And for, for me... I've always enjoyed dissecting movies, and mm -hmm. so maybe I guess maybe it comes naturally. That 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 was what I always purposed to do when we would watch mm -hmm. a movie. We would I would talk about it with the kids afterwards and dissect yeah. it. I, I think they were great opportunities for mm -hmm. for teaching. Yes, uh, and then you and then you you know you discuss what is the biblical response to that, and you're teaching them how to think. Yes, so. You know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say you know you need to shut off Disney. I mean, you might cancel Disney Plus just because of how crazy it's gotten and all that. But that's not gonna. That's that's not the ultimate solution. Is to is to be training up your children. That's right, and teaching them how to think. Mm -hmm. Teaching them how to think biblically. Yeah. It's not just thinking critic. You want them to yeah. think critically, but you want them to think critically based on the Bible. Yeah, and, and what the Bible says. And you know, I remember doing that with my kids a few times. Like I was thinking of. Of Mulan, you know, Mulan was is a story about this girl who basically defies her father, and she goes and does what she wants to do, in in and disobeys her father and decides to go join the army, right? And so that what does that do? Is that presents an opportunity to talk about well, Disney's promoting this and saying you just got to do whatever you want to do regardless of what your parents say, but that's not what Scripture teaches, right? And so there, there comes an opportunity to sit there and go, well, Mulan did this, but what she did was actually wrong. It was sinful because yeah. she's dishonoring her parents. Yeah. And, and the scripture tells us we need to honor our parents, but it's yeah. all because that's what she wants to do, which comes back to this self-esteem thing. That's, that's what it is. And, and Disney is kind of the, the propaganda arm of the self-esteem movement. Yes. And... It, well, we'll talk about it some more, but the far end of it is absolute horror. The far end of the self-esteem movement mm -hmm. is just, it's its a horrendous, narcissistic, yes. self-aggrandizing mindset that, I mean, just the ultimate selfishness, that's it's where it is, where yeah, it totally. goes. And, and so that seed was planted early on, like you said, the Believe in yourself. Follow your heart. Trust your movement. Tr trust your yourself. Listen to your gut. You know, y y this idea that you somehow have, you know, this value within you that that's that's worth listening to and following, apart from any biblical worldview. That's and right. The sum the sum total of 
of the, of everything is your goals for yourself mm-hmm. and the way others view the way the others treat you. That's the sum total of your existence. I mean, that's the the self esteem movement. It's, that is, it's all about you. That's right. And then the, you know the you have the human potential movement in the sixties and seventies, which said that individuals must pursue a realization of their inner human potential through the exploration of body and mind. Uh, they must gratify their interpersonal longings to gain individual identity and meaning. And so this is where you get, you know, feelings of power, self-esteem and happiness as the end goal. Self-actualization. Yeah, self-actualization. Yeah. yeah. Maslow. Uh, Maslow? Yes. He was the, the early adv- advocate and, you know, the hierarchy of, hier- hierarchy of needs guy. Carl Rogers. Mm-hmm. The, these were the guys who were pushing this. Yeah, so self-actualization, self-esteem. And then, and then terms like human dignity theory. But I always find this interesting when you when you start looking at this stuff. You know, you hear these terms, and, and it's like, well, who would who would deny or reject human dignity? <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Like that sounds like a a great thing. And 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 the theory is individuals have inherent values and deserve to be treated accordingly. Would we disagree with that? No, no, no. I think I think the Bible would would say that you know you love your neighbor as yourself that in and of itself confers dignity on other people. <laughs> right. But what they don't do is they don't talk about where that inherent value comes from. And that's where they, they end up like just extracting it from a biblical worldview. The, the only inherent value is because of being created in the image of God. Yes. So you can't separate God from the equation, and that's the problem. And so when you pull God out of the equation, you end up with things like self-actualization. You know, this idea that you can be, you become fully human by, by being all that you can be. You've got to strive to be all that you can be. And it, the focus is on self, right? Be yourself. That's what you were saying earlier. You've got to be yourself. You've got to reach your potential. You've got to find yourself. This kind of thought process, which drives the self-esteem movement, and it leaves no room for God. So... And what you get is confusion and, and absurdity. Yeah, you get today. Yeah. Today. You, you, you get know. What, what's interesting is that you think about all this, you know, this human dignity that you find in your own exaltation, so to speak. You know, you're looking for the self-actualization and you're saying, well, if I can reach self-actualization, I can be everything that I want to be that I will maximize my dignity as a human. And yet in today's world, human dignity only extends to those who agree wholeheartedly with with your assessment of yourself. Right, right. So if I do not agree with your assessment of yourself, I, you can actually reject my human dignity yeah. and you can treat me like a subhuman because I do not agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you get the whole cancel culture, which that, that goes much further than just, you know, canceling on social media in its end. I mean, we're, we're heading, you know, like a rocket toward the kind of things, you know, that where, where things like, beating and, and murder are going to be acceptable. I think you see that with this whole Israel Hamas thing going on where Hamas comes in and they 
they beat and they murder and they rape and they're killing babies and you know on the college campuses they're they're going out there chanting about you know death to Israel you know how how did how can that even be possible yeah you know because you don't you don't deserve dignity if you don't look at life the way they see life right which, right. which again you're you're treating people as less than than you know dignified because they have their own state. Right. And you, and and again, what you want to do is if you're Hamas is you're trying to take you're trying to exterminate Israel. That's right. that's never been less than the stated goal of Hamas. But, you know, again, this this whole human dignity thing only goes as far as because it's human dignity. It's not based on 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 God. It's a human dignity that only goes as far as you agree with my humanity. Yeah. This is where self-esteem and human dignity movement is bringing us. Uh, and so it, it really isn't a surprise when you, when you look at it, because the ultimate promotion of self, and that's to the expense of anyone in anything else that doesn't promote self. And so, you know, the alternative to... Christ is what it is. Yes. There's no hope in, in it. There's no, there's no, it is all about self-esteem, self-actualization. Your trust in your hope is in yourself. Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. And when anyone threatens that, they become the enemy. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, I wrote down here, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And Nicholas Allen used this in another session that I listened to just, just the other day. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on what? Your own, own understanding. Your own That's understanding. Right. right. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So because man is a worshiper, he's going to do one of two things. He's either going to worship God and follow God or he's going to worship something else. And usually that involves self. Ultimately, at the end, is you're worshiping yourself. And you either live life looking to God or you live life on your own understanding. Yeah. And that becomes kind of the th the key theme of Proverbs really if you think about it that you can live life wisely by living according to how God would desire you to live and ultimately living for his glory or you live completely and entirely by your own understanding of life and how to handle life and how to think and how to operate in this life. And, and the end of that, which Solomon portrays throughout the entire you know, book of Proverbs, is it, it's an ugly end. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. This is you know, Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Yes. Yeah. It, that's the whole follow your heart, self-esteem, self-actualization movement. It is to trust in your own heart. Yes. Jeremiah 17, 5. You know, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from Yahweh. And that's the that's because they're they're opposing realities, right? Either yes. your heart is turned toward yourself, or your heart is turned toward Yahweh. And so, either you bring blessing to yourself, or you bring curses to yourself. Yeah, you trust in either mankind or you trust in Yahweh. Yeah, you you, you trust you know in yourself or you trust in God. Yeah. And in today's culture, you're told the only way you're going to survive life is to trust in yourself. Right. 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 Believe in yourself. 
So then there's the the 80s and 90s. California ends up playing a huge role and in influence in this entire movement. They begin to promote under the, the what they called the California Task Force self-esteem and personal and social responsibility. This idea that the problem with society is low self-esteem, so we're going to boost self-esteem. If we boost self-esteem, it's going to eradicate poverty, drugs, and they were also targeting premarital sex at the time. That's gone out the window. Nobody, nobody talks about that anymore. And drugs are okay. And uh, yeah, we'll even <laughs> give you the clean needles, right? Right. right. And so this is, you know, it's just fascinating because California is leading the the way in this and what we have in in their attempt to mitigate property, drugs, or premarital sex, or, you know, disease and all that comes from that. We end up with poverty, drugs, and 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 all this diseases and everything that comes out of that. Yeah, it hasn't worked very well, to tell you the truth. Right. The, so, like, the society hasn't changed. It hasn't gotten better. Yeah, and they, they, they began to produce studies claiming that people with high self-esteem are more productive citizens, so they started doing these studies, and they began this whole campaign that each person has the power to solve his own problems if, if he just has a high self-esteem. So this, is, this becomes a significant force in influence in this movement. What happens in California you know, spreads, right? Yes. And, and so there, there's, there's other guys who are, develop, you know, influential in developing this. There's like William James in Harvard. William James taught that self-esteem is a ratio between one and what, what aspires to do and one what actually accomplishes. And so if you accomplish what you set out to do, you'll have higher self-esteem. If you don't, then you have less. Robert White... Also at Harvard, self-esteem is a product of one's ability to master certain aspects according to his identity, resulting in feeling good about himself. So if you feel good about yourself, that is the product of a high self-esteem. If you feel bad about yourself, that is the product of a low self-esteem. And then you got Christopher Rook, I think. Rook, I'm not sure how to say his name. He was a professor at Bowling Green, wrote the book Self-Esteem and Positive Psychology, which had a pretty broad impact. Self-esteem to him was having a view of oneself as competent, which is as a result of dealing with challenges in life in a productive way. And so you feel good about yourself if you overcome obstacles. And that's the goal of life. It's to feel good about yourself. That's what starts to develop in all of this. It's, it's really feelings-based. And so the, those guys kind of set the, you know, the, the grounds for the definition of self-esteem, which ultimately is that you need to feel good. Yes. Yeah, uh, you know, you really notice that in this yeah. is that there's more and more of a movement towards feeling and how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have scales like Morris Rosenberg develops the self the the self esteem scale, where where you're starting to test your your level of self esteem. How 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 satisfied or dissatisfied are you with yourself? If you have Bad feelings about yourself, it's because of low self-esteem. If you have good feelings about yourself, it's because of high self-esteem. And now we're going we're gonna to figure out where that is on the scale. And so it starts to become more of a science in, in their thinking. But there, there's really nothing scientific about it. No, it's subjective. It's subjective, right. And so there, there's 
this this development where self-esteem becomes the number one important makeup of a man or or aspect of a man. It's all about yourself. Seymour Epstein begins to introduce personality, which he called cognitive experiential self-theory. And so we start talking about how personalities are related to psychology and and we begin to begin to justify certain behaviors based on our, our makeup, our personalities, that kind of talk. But he defined self-esteem as a need to be love-worthy. <laughs> so that, that was novel at the time. Notice it says without any connection yep. to cause and effect. But he, yeah, he, so he, you're just love-worthy, period. He extracted it from any cause and effect. So, so in, their, in their quest for science, they've removed any science from it. Like there's yes. nothing concrete anymore. It's just a general feeling of a, or, or you know, a general desire to be love-worthy. Yes. Which on the surface sounds great, right? Right. We, we, we want to love people. We want people to love us. But again, it's a man-centered view of man with, yeah. without God. There's no God at all in any of this. Right. And the Bible has a lot to say about, you know, the, the grounds of human dignity and, and loveworthiness and all of that. The Bible is very clear on, on who we are apart from Christ. And, and and we'll get into that, but there's there's this rush, you know. All of a sudden, I don't I don't, you know, th- this whole field of psychology, and I, I think there's a lot of funding that's going on, and there's this rush toward, you know, developing self esteem, and, and and developing theories and definitions in different terms like global self esteem, specific self esteem, episodic episodic self esteem, implicit self esteem, explicit self esteem, state self esteem, trait self esteem, and so they're 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 just kind of parsing out all these different aspects of self esteem, and it all comes down to a a view of self, no biblical context, and a view of self that. Uh, you know, that, that centers around a person feeling good or bad about himself, or as a sense of greatness or ineptitude by how he identifies with the culture or how the culture, fi- culture identifies with him. And so it is, it, it is, ba- it, it, there's, it, it's just how you feel and how other people feel about you. That's the basis of self esteem. And so if you don't feel good about yourself, you have low self-esteem. And if people are, are, are making you feel bad, then they are the cause of your low self-esteem. Yeah, and that becomes, I mean, that becomes critical in today's world because really now we're saying that self-esteem is regardless of what people think about you. Yeah. So I don't care what you think. I'm going to do this if I think it's going to make me feel better, whether or not you like it, it's irrelevant. Whether or not it's right or wrong, I get to determine what's right or wrong, not you. Right. So you can't enforce your your moral values on me. I right. get to determine what is right because that's what will make me feel better. Yeah, and if if you judge me, if, if you're going to judge me and you make me feel bad about my choices, about my you know worldview, then, then you are an aggressor. Hmm. You're yeah, an aggressor. That's right. You're evil. You're you're the cause. This is you know you're you're an, you're an abuser. That's that's where we're at, and this is you know how they where they begin to redefine abuse into non into very subjective concepts. 
you know, you can see where this is going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a guy gets up and he preaches the gospel or he goes out and he tells someone that, hey, you're you're a sinner bound for hell and the wrath of God abides on you. You've just committed a crime against the self-esteem. That's right. That's hate speech now. It's hate speech. That's hate speech because you right. violated his self-esteem. Right. right. And so that that's where we're at right now. And it, so it makes perfect sense when you look at the craziness around us that it is driven by this self-actualization, self-esteem movement. And it is tremendously, you know, sordid. Self-esteem is seen as the greatest driver of behavior. Hmm. That's right. And it's the justification for, for, for everything. That's right. It's an excuse for anything. So there's no moral compass when, when I become the arbitrator of what I think right. is right or wrong so, based on what I want. Right. I am I am fully self-actualized now, and I, I have become like God. Right. And it's all about me. Yep. And how dare you say anything. So, well, I think we will wrap up that one, and we'll... we'll Dive back into this, probably looking at a biblical framework or biblical response to to this whole thing. This is Dan's classic Petra. Yeah. yeah. All right. I hope you enjoyed this, and we will be going into a part two, so I hope you join us next time. This is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church here in Visalia, and we'll see you next time.